what we want to focus on this time in 1 Peter 4, 1, is how do you arm yourself with a way of thinking? What does that, what does that even mean to turn thinking or thoughts into armor? Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. So that's our focus. What, what is this thinking? What does it mean to arm yourself with it? How does an idea or a conviction or a thought become armor? Father, you, you are telling us to do this. Evidently, there's a way to protect our souls with a way of thinking that would spare us even eternal destruction. And so I ask for sight now of what you mean here in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've looked at verse 1 already in look at the book and focused on this for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased for sin and suggested a couple of possible meanings one of which is that uh, we have uh, in Christ's sufferings ourselves suffered and died with him so that we can count ourselves dead to sin and alive to righteousness, as it says in 2.24. And another implication of that, or another meaning, some would say, is that since we have done that, we are now resolved to do whatever it takes to walk in righteousness, no matter the cost. And so, we have ceased from sin in principle by dying to sin in Christ, and we have ceased from sin in actuality in that we have committed ourselves to resist sin by walking in righteousness, even if others malign us for it. So this time, we're focusing on the first half of the verse. Christ suffered in the flesh. Arm yourselves with this same way of thinking. And the first thing to just pause and let sink in is that a, a way of thinking, or, or the word is thought. It's used one other time in the New Testament over in Hebrews where it's the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So it's, it's intentions and, and thoughts in the heart. There's that thinking, let it sink in, that thinking arms you against something. And, and the word arm surely implies we got enemies. They're out to destroy us. If we don't want them to destroy us, then we better arm ourselves with this way of thinking. So let's take them one at a time. What does way of thinking mean? What, what's it referring to? And then what's the armor like? How do you do that? What was... Christ's way of thinking, because it says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. So to answer the question, what our way of thinking should be, would be to go back and look in First Peter to see what Christ's way of thinking was when he suffered. And the, 
the fullest place, there, there are several, but the fullest place to see that is right here in 2, 21 to 24. So let's, let's just enumerate the, the kinds of thinking or the way, the mindset that Christ had when he suffered. For to, to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. So clearly we are to, to, to learn the way Christ went about this so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. That's number one. So don't let your suffering be because you've sinned. Have that mindset. I'm not going to sin my way into suffering. I may obey my way into suffering, but I'm not going to sin my way into it. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When, when he saw suffering on the way, he didn't fall prey to the temptation. Well, I'll just tell some lies to get myself out of this pickle so I don't have to suffer. No, no deceit. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. So this is number two, no deceit. And number three is he didn't return evil for evil. So have the mindset in your, in your mind and in your heart, when the suffering comes, I am not going to return in kind. Fix that thought in your mind. Have that mindset. I'm not going to sin my way into suffering. I'm not going to deceive my way out of suffering. And I'm not going to threaten my, my, my uh, assailants. But, fourth thing, he, he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So there's number four. So he handed over. I mean, one of the big hardships in suffering is that we know it's wrong and we want to cry out and say, you have no right to do this. This is wrong. You should be called to account. And the way Christ handled that moral indignation was to entrust himself. And literally, there's no himself in the text. It's just he entrusted and it could be his, his cause, his whole situation, himself and his cause. I let God be the one who punishes and the one who rewards. He will reward me someday and he will punish my assailants someday if they don't repent. I don't need to take that into my charge. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin, live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. And so the fifth thing is we want our suffering like his to be a healing suffering. So those are the at least five elements of this same way of thinking that Christ had when he suffered. Now, arm yourself with that. What do we do with that? One of the things we could do is look for places in 1 Peter where uh, there's something like using the mind to arm yourself. And here are the places as I read through it that I saw. Like chapter 1, verse 13, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you. So we, we take our minds, we see what Christ did in entrusting himself to the Father, and we hope fully in the grace that Christ purchased for us and that he himself counted on from the Father to rescue him from the grave. And so the, the preparing of the mind with a, a way of thinking includes hoping. 
Um, here's another one, chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh that wage war against your soul. So here's a war that's coming against our soul. And how do we fight that war? We fight it first with hope in 113 and now with with abstinence or self-control. There are things we are resolving. I'm not going to do that because those things are the warfare of Satan against my soul. Here's some examples in chapter 4 in our own context. The time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to these, they're surprised you don't now join them in the flame, in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. There's a suffering. So you have to, you have, to have a mindset that says, I'm not going to be sucked into sensuality and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties because these wage war against my soul. They are expressing their sel- themselves here and, and causing me to suffer. And if I'm not willing to suffer, if I don't have a mindset that is willing to suffer like Christ, then I'm going to give way in the war to these deadly passions. And the last instance I thought of was here in 5, 8 and 10. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. So there's, there's suffering on the way, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. So the mindset that stands up against the suffering of the lion is our faith that God loves us and will take care of us and bring us through in the end, like it says in the, in the next verse knowing that the same experiences, the kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will restore and confirm and strengthen and establish you. That's what we are going to believe. And so the, the mind, the way of thinking back here in our text of 4.1, the way of thinking is that we hope in him and we commit ourselves to self-denial and we embrace by faith the promise of God to walk with Christ in his way of suffering. And it becomes then a great armor against Satan, against the, the uh, sins that would destroy our souls.